This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets Podcast. Turn on the Jets Podcast. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we're going to be joined by Evan Silva of Roto World to talk about the New York Jets' decision to hire Adam Gase, their new offensive coordinator hire, where Sam Darnold fits league-wide as a starting quarterback heading into the 2019 season, and what the Jets need to do this offseason to get back to competing for a playoff spot for what will be the first time in nine years, hopefully. Uh, we talked to Evan for about 15, 20 minutes. Always a great interview. Always has very strong opinions and is entertaining to talk to. Uh, so make sure to stick around for that full thing. Uh, before we dive in, want to remind you guys to... Hit us with a rating on iTunes. We're available on Spotify. We're available on Google Play. Uh, subscribe wherever is most convenient to you. All ratings and support is greatly appreciated. Uh, happy to be part of the Overtime Media Network now, which is where our advertisements are coming from, as you'll notice uh, in the mid-roll sprinkled throughout. And we are now joined by this week's guest, Evan Silva of Roto World, returning to the podcast, I believe, for the third time. Evan, thank you again uh, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me back, Joe. So off the top, you have been a big fan of what you saw from Sam Darnold during his rookie year, and particularly uh, the Jets' decision to select him after the New York Giants surprisingly passed on him for running back. What were your main takeaways from what you saw or got you so excited about Sam Darnold's long-term potential during his rookie season? I mean, I think that, you know, he was up and down. Um, I don't think that that's surprising at all. Um, I think that when things were kind of going relatively positively around him, uh, he really excelled. That was early in the season, uh, weeks one through five. And then, you know, his top two receivers suffered high ankle sprains and there is nothing more, nothing less effective at the skill player position, uh, than a wide receiver running around on a high ankle sprain. And we saw Quincy Anunua started off like gangbusters. He, you know, he, he was like a non-factor the rest of the way. Um, Robbie Anderson needed a while to get back rolling, and they were, they were able to get that back rolling late in the season. Um, Jermaine Curse was a black hole. You know, it was like a, a sub-40% catch rate when Sam Darnold was throwing to him. I mean, he – they need to just let him go. You know, it's, it's time to move on from Jermaine Curse. Um, you know, I think that Chris Herndon showed a lot of promise. You have a, a, a nucleus here with the Jets in Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson, and Chris Herndon. All guys are, are really young. You have Darnold and Herndon under contract long term. You have Robbie Anderson uh, as a restricted free agent. He'll be very affordable to retain. They should probably give him the first round tender, which will probably be no more than, you know, $4 million, which is very affordable for um, a big time, big play threat. You have a, a nucleus here that um, I, I think has a lot of promise, but you need to, you need to continue to put pre- pieces around Sam Darnold. Um, but I think that, look, when things were just, you know, Going at least decently well around him, he showed a lot more promise and consistency, down-to-town consistency, than the quarterbacks that were drafted immediately behind him. Obviously, 
obviously Baker Mayfield was the best rookie quarterback. But, you know, I think that Sam Darnold enters 2019 with a significant leg up on the inconsistency of Josh Allen and the um, just kind of rookie year disappointment that was Josh Rosen. Looking at the Jets' offseason decision to hire Adam Gase as their head coach, a lot of conflicting reports and rumors as to whether he was ultimately their top choice or not. Regardless, it shook out where he ended up being the guy that they hired. Before we dive into some of the people he's surrounding himself with, uh, what was Mm -hmm. your initial thought about the decision to go with Gase and what did you think of the work he put together in Miami three years as a head coach there 23 and 25 did have the benefit of getting to beat the Jets five out of six times playing against such a bad team prior to that uh, offensive coordinator in Chicago and prior to that highly thought of for his work uh, with Peyton Manning in Denver uh, what were your, you know, you see it come across the wire, Jets go with Adam Gase. I mean, what, what were your thoughts on Gase and what you've seen from him in recent years? Well, the way that I initially viewed it was, you know, definitely with context and you know, the, the uh, head coaching candidates that were kind of competing against Adam Gase. I'm not going to lie that I had a pro Todd Monken bias throughout the entire process after closely following uh, the 2018 Bucks and putting a lot of time into getting familiar with Todd Monken's background. So that's where I personally would have preferred the Jets to go. And so that created some personal bias for me um, against the Adam Gase hire. I just want to make that clear that there is some some bias there as to how I initially viewed the, the hire. But as for Adam Gase specifically, you know, he was a guy that was kind of difficult to fully assess just how good of a coach he was in Miami. There were some positives. You know, they had this ridiculous 20-6 and record in one-score games. Um, And over time, one-score games typically even out to around 500. But his win rate in one-score games was 77%. That's way, way, way above par, the best in the NFL uh, over the last three seasons. Was he getting lucky? You know, was he a good enough coach to consistently pull out these one-score games? Of course, those one-score wins accounted for 20 of his 23 wins in three years as Dolphins head coach. So, you know, you can peel it back and look at his point differentials. Um, His point differentials were miserable. Um, In in Miami, in 2016, their quote-unquote playoff season, uh, they had a minus 17 point differential. Uh, In 2000. Uh, 17, they had a minus 112 point differential with Jay Cutler as their quarterback. And then last year uh, was the worst of all with a minus 114 point differential. Um, and they went seven and nine, you know, because they continued to win all these one score games. I, I honestly lean toward the, the notion that he's been getting lucky. And at the end of the day, I think it was an underwhelming hire. I think it's nice that Peyton Manning loves Adam Gase. I think that's great. Uh, I do think that his offenses have shown a tendency to be able to get guys into space. Um, that's something that, you know, Jeremy Bates, I, sometimes I thought he had that ability and other times, you know, I didn't. Um, I did think that Adam Gase did a, an above average job of that in Miami, um, but there was no real sustaining down to down element to Adam Gase's offenses in Miami and I, I really have no idea how he's going to do with quarterback development because we have not seen him 
uh, oversee a, a, you know, a, a very young uh, quarterback like that. He's had the benefit of, you know, coaching Peyton Manning and guys who have been in the league for a really long time. So th- this is going to be new for Adam Gase. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. With Gase, the more I've watched his offense, I do think there are some creative elements in there. Like you mentioned, an ability to get some easy completions and free up some guys for yards after the catch, which should play well for a guy like Quincy Inua and Chris Herndon and some of the other guys that the Jets have you know, kicking around in their roster. I think what concerned me is obviously there was management issues there and then the part of being a head coach is managing your staff managing your players and being sort of the ceo in a way of the organization and we know he had issues with that there and like you said that that win loss record in one score games it's problematic i look at their 7 and 9 record last year and they beat new england on the biggest fluke play of the season they beat the jets 13-6 when sam darnold threw four interceptions and had a nightmarish you know rookie game you know, you look at those two games that puts them at five and eleven, which is basically what the Jets were last year. That being said, I you know I, I was underwhelmed by the hire. Wanted to see how he went out and built the staff. Uh, his first major hire, and he was very candid about this, saying that I am going to spend my time on the offense. I want a head coach of of the defense, and that is probably the situation in a lot of teams in the NFL. But he was very open and candid about it. And one of the concerns that Jet fans have had in recent years has been, you know, you have Rex Ryan, you have Todd Bowles, they only care about one side of the football. We want someone who is going to manage the entire team. Gase went out and got his head coach of the defense. He hired Greg Williams, the former Browns interim head coach, uh, obviously a bounty gate fame. Jet fans have generally been very enthused about the Greg Williams hire, I think, based off the work he did in Cleveland last year, based off his demeanor, and that, I think, his tempered a lot of the skepticism around the Gase hire, for better or worse, or for reasonable or unreasonable reasons. We'll we'll table that until we talk about the offensive decisions, but what are your thoughts on Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator and as the Jets' quote-unquote head coach of the defense? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, this is uh, not going to align with the, the Jets fan base whatsoever. Uh, I think he's a fake tough guy. Uh, he's a guy who talks a really big game, but the product in the field is not matched up. Um, Greg Williams loves to play his free safety in a punt return alignment. And that's something he was able to get away with, you know, earlier in his defensive coordinator career when he had a hall of famer in Sean Taylor as his free safety, when he was with, you know, New Orleans handing out bounties, uh, with Darren Sharper, you know, a fringe hall of famer who isn't going to get in because of all the criminal acts that he, uh, that, that he, um, uh, committed off the field. Uh, but he was a great player, Darren Sharper. Uh, in his prime is Marcus May. People have joked like Jamal Adams would fill that role. That that's not going to happen. It, it would be Marcus May. Um, would would he be capable of filling that role? I, I really don't know. Um, he lo- Greg Williams loves to blitz. He's a uh, you know a gung ho blitz you know blitz heavy coach. Todd Bowles was, was a very aggressive coach in that same manner. Um, but Greg Williams doesn't care if the blitzes are getting home or not. He prides himself on, on having a very high blitz frequency. When you blitz, you know, think about what a blitz is. When your, blitz, when your blitzes are not getting home, you're sacrificing guys in coverage. So it's a very boom-bust, you know, live-or-die sort of way to conduct your defense. Uh, and he's really shown no willingness to, uh, to bend 
uh, based on the pro- productivity of his schemes. And in, in New York, he's gonna, he, he is always a 4-3 coach. So the, the personnel is going to have to – first of all, the per- personnel for the Jets on defense is, is, is a real big problem. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have to improve the personnel and you're going to have to make it fit with Greg Williams. And, you know, you're going to have to overhaul the scheme. Um, so it's, I, I did not like this hire. I know that he's a big name. I know that the Browns defense this past year took a big step forward. That was because of the personnel that they had. And I think that the Jets, in terms of their defensive personnel, they have a long way to go to get where the Browns were this past year from a defensive personnel standpoint. Yeah, there's no Miles Garrett or Denzel Ward here right now. That That's really the two main missing pieces. Right. Jamal Adams is great. He's a versatile weapon, but you don't have that top-tier pass rusher and you don't have a shutdown corner, uh, which is going to be all that much more pressure on Mike McCadden to try to find a way to finally fill that heading into his fifth year. After... Gase hired Williams. His next hire was uh, Frank Pollock from the Cincinnati Bengals, offensive line coach, a hire that was outside of his immediate sort of previous friend circle or coaching history, which I thought was encouraging, a guy who's done somewhat good work with the Bengals and Cowboys in recent years and has generally been ranked as one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. Unfortunately, after that, he made his long-awaited move of bringing along Dowell Logans as his offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Now, if you look at his resume, if you look at reaction from people and fans who followed his work in Miami, in Chicago, in Tennessee, there is not an objective person out there who thinks he is a competent offensive coordinator or has done anything to merit a job. The numbers back that up. He's been given the dual title of offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for people like me who have been frustrated with this hire the sort of requisite response from jet fans has been this hire does not matter adam gase is calling the plays it's adam gase's offense so no offensive coaches beside him really matter because we sink or swim with him i think that's a mild a very naive approach because no person can be a head coach an offensive coordinator and a quarterback coach concurrently without something slipping through the cracks. And ideally, you want as many smart, talented people in the room pushing each other as possible. I don't think Dowell Logans fits the bill for that. What are you, What have you seen from Dowell Logans as an offensive mind throughout the past six years he's been in the NFL? Just worst of the worst. You know, just, I mean, you, you alluded to his track record. Um, he's just a textbook cronyism hire. You know, the only reason that he's probably in the NFL at this point is because he's buddies with Adam Gase. Um, it's just like, where to begin with this guy? You know, his 2012 Titans offense finished 23rd in scoring. Next year, his offense finished 19th in scoring. He was fired after that season, uh, lost lost a lot of responsibility to Mike Malarkey, and then was fired. Um, he was one of the biggest driving forces behind the Browns drafting Johnny Manziel. In 2014, the, the, the year immediately after that, uh, and then he spent 2015 as the Bears quarterbacks coach, and then he was the Bears offensive coordinator for the following two seasons. Their offense has finished 28th and 29th in scoring. Uh, last year, he was Adam Gase's offensive coordinator in Miami. They finished 26th in scoring. So basically, coordinating offenses that score a lot of points has not been Dowell Loggins' forte. 
This is the Overtime Podcast Network. We also know that Gase is bringing along his receivers coach, likely to bring along his tight end coach. And I think, you know, what you hope with coaches getting a second chance is that they learn from their mistakes in the first go around. And usually if you get a few years in between jobs, a Pete Carroll, a Bill Belichick are mm-hmm. popular examples of this. You have time to reflect and learn when you look at guys who immediately go into the next job. And as a Jets fan, the first guy who comes to mind to me is Eric Mangini. He didn't have a year in between the Jets and the Browns, yep. struggled with the Browns, and was fired after two years. Also, as a Jets fan, Rex Ryan going right from the Jets to the Bills, struggled for two years and was fired. Uh, there's obviously other examples, but those are – it's hard to find examples of someone who gets fired and then immediately goes somewhere else and is successful because you don't have time to reflect on what didn't work. Um, overall, we know the Jets have, have talent deficiencies. They have $100 million in cap space. Cap space can be overrated because free agency generally is not filled with the talent that most people anticipate. What do you see has – the ceiling for this team next year, and what do you see more importantly, or I guess equally importantly, is the ceiling for Sam Darnold's production next year. What's fair as a Jets fan to expect from him from a production standpoint next year? Um, I, I think that what you want to see is a little bit more consistency because his rookie year was definitely a roller coaster. Again, a lot of flashes of promise. I mean, I'm ultimately I'm not too worried about. Sam Darnold. You're worried about it from the, 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 the from the, the standpoint that I'm not sure they're surrounding him with the best people. But from a talent standpoint, I think that he's going to be able be able to overcome. And I think that we saw signs of that down the stretch last year. I mean, you know, I I think that there were times, especially late in the year, where he made so many plays outside of structure. Uh, improvisational plays that were not within the design of Jeremy Bates offense. And, you know, they knew that those guys were going to get fired and they just went out there and played ball. And, you know, I, I love the way that he played late in the season against the Texans, you know, that comeback win against the bills uh, was awesome. Um, was it the Packers late in the season where he had one of his best games uh, I, you know, I, I really thought that he showed a lot of promise, um, not necessarily playing within the structure of the offense. Now, you know, how is that going to mesh with Adam Gase, who was very much a play favorites coach in Miami? Like, you don't want to piss off Adam Gase, you know, because he'll, 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 he'll kick you out of town, like, you know, getting rid of Jarvis Landry and Jay Ajayi and, you know, all these different guys. I mean, you know, getting rid of Dominican Sue and, I mean, they, they really stripped that, that team. They, they, you know, when Adam Gase got there, that was a more talented team than when he left. I mean, right now the Dolphins, I think, have the, few, the, the, least, the fewest amount of uh, bankable long-term assets of any team in the entire league. That includes the Jets. That includes, you know, the Bills. That includes, you know, all the teams that you think of when you think of the bottom of the NFL. The Arizona Cardinals have more, you know, bankable uh, long-term assets and guys like Chandler Jones and David Johnson and perhaps Josh Rosen and, you know, maybe Christian Kirk, but um, that, you know, and, and that is one thing that stood, stood, stood out to me as well, Joe, is that, the, you know, there's no, there's no breathing here. There's, there's no, you know, 
one or two year hiatus where the guy can go back and do some self-reflection. You know, it's very much like Eric, the Eric Mangini situation, which did not work out, which was a disaster. And, and the Rex Ryan situation, which was even more of a disaster when he went to Buffalo. So, um, look, I, I, again, I really believe in Sam Darnold. I believe that as long as, you know, Robbie Anderson has his head on straight, he can be, he can remain one of the NFL's premier deep threats. Love what we saw from Chris Herndon. I think they're going to be, you know, well, we know that they're going to be very aggressive in free agency. I'm not sure what the ceiling is for them. You know, I, I want to look at their schedule. You know, I want to look at, um, who they acquire in the off season, you know, how do they draft, um, you know, what, what continues to be the rhetoric surrounding the jets. And, you know, I'll make my assessment from there. Uh, It's hard to say before we see any of the transactions made in the off season, I'm down on some of the hires. uh, And from a coaching standpoint, I'm up on some of them. You mentioned Frank Pollock. I love that Adam Gase was able to retain Brent Boyer um, the, uh, the, the special teams coach who did a great job. And, uh, I think that Andre Roberts and Jason Myers should both be guys that are very easy to retain. And those guys were two of you know the biggest reasons for why the jets were so good on special teams this past season. Um, so look, I, I just, I have not formulated a strong opinion, uh, as to the, the jets 2019 prospects. Um, and I think that we'll, we'll start to get there in June and July. All right. Final question before we let you go. We've touched on it a little bit with available free agent options. I think Le'Veon Bell is the biggest name out there, and everyone expects the Jets to be serious bidders for him. And if they, if they don't get him, they will probably still be in the market for a lead back, whether that fallback plan is a Tevin Coleman or maybe even a Mark Ingram or something like that. When we're talking more about – pass game weapons for Darnold. Obviously, Bell and Coleman could bring that as well. It's an underwhelming group of receivers out there. The main names sort of out there, you have a a Tyrell Williams from the Chargers. You have Golden Tate coming off his short stint with the Eagles. You have a guy like Adam Humphreys, uh, who's quietly produced a lot in Tampa. Is there any names, knowing Darnold's game, knowing Gase's offense, that you know, you want another guy to go in that three-wide set with the new uh, and Anderson. You're likely not going to go out and be able to swing a trade for an Antonio Brown or an A.J. Green like some people are kicking around. Is there a free agent guy in particular that you think makes sense in a three-wide set with those two guys? Yeah, it's it's a good question, and I, I totally agree with this. this. is a horrible wide receiver free agent market. I mean, it, this is the worst free agent wide receiver market I've seen in a really long time. Um, Quincy Anunua, I think, needs to be a slot receiver. When they used him outside this past year, his effectiveness plummeted. I think that you want to use him in a Jarvis Landry sort of role. Um, I think that you know he can create mismatches inside, and as long as he stays healthy, I think he is going to be a solid contributor. They got him on a you know they retained him on a very uh, team affordable uh, contract, and. Um, you know, I, but I think you want to keep him as an interior receiver and not stretch him on the outside. And then as for, you know, this is, it's really bad, man. I mean, you know, are, are you going to be able to go find like a, a true, you know, like a, like a big time Z receiver? I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. Like 
those don't exist on this free agent market at Roto World. We do, you know, I do this uh, full, just a full layout of every dude that is notable. That's a free agent. And I don't know. I mean, Tyrell Williams, he's not really going to upgrade you that much. I think he would make some sense. He adds some size. He, he can play inside as well. He's played, um, he's played a, like a kind of an underrated, uh, amount of uh, snaps in the slot for the Chargers. He can move around a little bit. He's never been a guy that the Chargers wanted to push targets to, though he's a big receiver who doesn't win in the contested game and does win um, uh, run after catch. Uh, but they, they, for whatever reason, they never put an emphasis on trying to get him the ball for the Chargers. Um, John Brown, you know, I think you, because of his, his past health problems, you want him playing in like a, probably a warmer climate. Um, Devin Funchess, I think is a little bit interesting. He's still only 24 years old. He did not finish last season on a strong note. It's just, it's, it's real bad, Joe. You, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say here. You, you might prefer to look at the trade market and see what you can get there. All right, Evan Silva, we appreciate you joining us. Everyone, make sure to follow his work on Roto World. Definitely check out that free agency index that he puts together every year. Really helpful to track who's available and not available as the signings start coming in. And give him a follow on Twitter, at Evan Silva. Evan, thank you very much. And we'll talk after uh, free agency in the draft hit. Sounds great, man. Thanks so much.